hip-hop, arguably the rawest form of storytelling. From DJ Cool Herc's back-to-school jam in 1973 all the way up to the present day, what started as an entirely underground genre hybrid has morphed into the most popular and captivating form of music today. Over time, many artists have told their lives and bared their souls for the masses. We're here to shed some light on this rich lineage of creators. This is Hip Hop History. Younger. Shaw alongside Logan Fricks and Fricks how are you doing on this gloomy Saturday afternoon I'm sick and tired of the rain honestly like it's been so annoying yeah to be honest. it's it's been it's been kind of brutal but I will say the people that we'll be talking about today it's been kind of a joy to look over their catalog over the last week and without further ado we can jump right into that and this week we'll be discussing a tribe called quest one of the most influential not only rap groups, but music groups of all time. And let's just jump right in. First off, Jonathan William Davis, otherwise known as Q-Tip, and Malik Taylor, the late great Fife Dog, um, Ali Shaheed Muhammad and Jerobi formed the group A Tribe Called Quest in 1985. Um, they've been credited for revolutionizing the East Coast sound. They formed the Native Tongues Collective with De La Soul and Jungle Brothers in 1988 with Q-Tip featuring on De La Soul's debut album and Jungle Brothers album. And after that, they really just jumped right into producing music and kind of just doing their own thing. And that's really been their MO throughout the run of A Tribe Called Quest. And their first album was People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm, released on April 17, 1990 on Jive Records with singles I Left My Wallet in El Segundo, Bonita Applebum, and Can I Kick It? It was the earliest album to receive a illustrious five mic rating from the Source magazine, which is a really big deal in hip hop, actually. Just a quote from Jerobi that I think really sums this up well via Wax Poetics. At that time, in the late 1980s, police brutality, Afrocentrism, and sexually transmitted diseases were all hot button issues that we were all dealing with in society. Most important thing in our music was the truth and reality of that. And Michael Blair wrote in Double XL that people's instinctive travels and the paths of rhythm was immensely groundbreaking and will eternally maintain its relevance within the culture and construction of hip-hop. Fricks, first of all, what was your introduction to this album, if, if at all, before this? To this album, it was actually for this podcast. Brayden, you know I got in the rap game really late, and honestly, Tribe is the perfect example, because the mm-hmm. first thing I heard by them was their new album, and... Oh, so you hadn't heard anything from Red in Theory. Oh, wow. Okay. And so when I heard that that new album, I was like, wow, these guys have, like, a really, like, old-school vibe to them. That's kind of dope. Yeah, because they're all 45. (laughs) Yeah, and then, like, I actually, like, researched them, and I was like, oh, they are old-school. I mean, like, I've obviously, like, I've heard, like, Can I Kick It? So, like, I guess that was kind of, like, the first song I heard off this album. I didn't really actually, like, listen to this album prior to the creation of this podcast. The first Tribe song I ever heard was Award Tour, and I did not hear it from a traditional um, streaming service or CD or whatever you want to call it. I actually heard it playing NBA 2K10. (laughs) It was one of the songs on that game in, like, the background or whatever when you're on the main menu and stuff, and I'm like, wow, this is, like, this is a fun song. 
on a war tour with Muhammad, my man. Like that's a catchy hook, and I I didn't really think much of it at the time, but later on I kind of got into low end theory and stuff like that and bugging out and check the rhyme. But we'll t we'll talk about all that later. But jump right into this album here. It starts off with Push It Along, which word on the street is Bricks. This is your favorite tribe song. Yes, definitely, definitely up there. I just the rhyme scheme in it by Q is just phenomenal to me. And I love the introduction that it has at the end to the tribe. Like this song tells us all the members of the tribe. And I think that's a big reason I love it. And it just kind of like sets the tone for what a tribe called Quest is and what they're going to do in their future. Like it's like the jazz rap almost. Like that. Not almost, it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're the biggest yeah. proponent of that. I think that Push It Along is probably the best possible intro they could have done for what they wanted to accomplish and what they wanted to be. I think Tribe is arguably the greatest example of just doing your own thing and not really caring what anybody else says and being just revolutionary at it at the same time. Um, yeah, I think Push It Along is a great introduction to Q-Tip and the rest of the group. And then we move on to some more interesting songs. Um, Luck of Lucian, dedicated to Lucien Revolution, a French artist from the 1990s who was also featured in Africa Bombada's anti-apartheid album, um, After Hours and... Those two tracks really kind of introduce us to a theme, or themes rather, that will echo throughout the entire catalog of Tribe in the fact that they are a very politically charged group. And I think it's really important that they set that tone early on as well. And just really, really important issues of, like um, Jerobi mentioned, Afrocentrism, and just kind of what we mentioned in the Joey Badass episode just the plight of the black man in America. And this is going back all the way to the early 90s and even before. They really were kind of leading the charge in the early 90s for that. Footprints, I think, is a funny song just because of all the foot references in it. Uh, it's just a, just a funny one from there. But one of the songs that I really want to talk about is I Left My Water in El Segundo. And I want to pose the question like this. Is Q-Tip the greatest storyteller ever in rap? I mean... He's, he's definitely, definitely up there. Like, I, I love that song because of the fact that they, they just, like, have fun with it. And, that like, that's a big thing that I love about Tribe is they know how to have fun with songs. And, th like, this is a prime example. Saying he's the best, I, I'm not sure about the best, but uh, I would definitely put him up there. The reason I say that is I, I think he's definitely top three or top five. But the reason I say that is... He made leaving your wallet at a gas station captivating. I feel like that's hard to do. And I think that Tip is one of the most underrated lyricists of all time. He does a really good job throughout this album, for the most part, through the rest of the ca their catalog, of um, really captivating you with what is seemingly mundane topics into actually something interesting. Kind of like we mentioned, leaving your wallet at a gas station. It doesn't really sound that captivating, but it's actually very fascinating throughout this song. And it, again, is one of Tribe's uh, most well-known singles, and deservedly so. It's a really fun song. Pubic Enemy, which is literally just a song about STDs. An important topic, I would say. It's, uh, you don't hear that very often. I mean, it's another prime example of the Tribe being funny, but still talking about something that's pretty serious. That, that is something that I give them so much credit for, because they can have fun with songs, but then when you actually like dive deep into the lyrics and are actually like looking at what they're saying, it's like, wow, this is like a real subject, and like this is an actual problem really just again showcases on their the diversity of this group 
honestly, in my opinion, they could really make a song about anything, and I would listen to it and probably be, at least be halfway decent. Move on to another of the, one of their hit singles, Bonita Applebaum, which might be my favorite. One of my It's one of my favorite beats that um, Q-Tip and Ali have ever constructed. And another song about the ladies, which is another thing that they have done a very good job. But yeah, no, this, this song is just super smooth. Yeah, I mean, this, this song really helped kind of jumpstart their careers, I would say. Like you were saying, it, it's probably the second most popular song on the album. And this album really wasn't even that popular when it came out. Like, it took a while before people actually, like, listened to it. So this song really helped jumpstart the career kind of like what you were saying with the whole ladies thing like they're, mm-hmm. they're really smooth guys like i'm not gonna they are lie. man they've had roller coaster relationships with women honestly <laughs> uh yeah tip and five are some of the best smooth talkers in the game it's crazy how these two songs could be back to back but yeah benita applebaum and follow that up with can i kick it which is just unabashedly one of the greatest hip-hop songs ever can ever created it's a classic song with that great intro, great instrumental. Finally get more Fife Dog, which I think is something that kind of hurts this album in my opinion. I think that at times Tribe doesn't have that balance and I think they are I think that Tribe is at its best when it has the balance of Tip and Fife. I love Q-Tip, but I also love Fife Dog and I think that when they were at their peak it was when both of them were playing off of each other instead of Tip kind of taking control, which is what he did for the last um, five or so songs. But Can I Kick It really comes back. Um, again, a seminal piece to Tribe's catalog and just a fantastic song. Later on the 25th anniversary edition of this album, um, a man by the name of Jermaine Cole did a remix to it. It's a great song, and I think that one that everyone should listen to, especially if they call themselves a hip-hop head. I felt like this album could have been so much better if Fife was in it more. And then, like, this song, he really does come through. I think my favorite part about this song is the turntable, is on the, the scratching of the disc. I mean, I really love that, and Tribe really does a great job in yeah. it. Ali, I think, is one of the best he DJs is. of all time. So, I mean, that that's probably, like, just... One of my favorite things about Tribe and then this song really is like the first time that you hear that put together very well. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any lines that stick out from this song? Um, for me, I really like the line that's said by Five Dog because it like it's a perfect representation of what they are, and that's when it comes to rhythms, Quest is your savior. Because like when you think about it, like it's not like a hard line, you know, it's not something that like makes you like think about but like when you see it you're like wow like yeah like that's a perfect representation of what they are yeah later on i feel like fife a lot of his memorable lines are talking about whack mcs and stuff but he he definitely he definitely has a lot of gems i'm just talking about quest and how um smooth and and just great they are youthful expression um and rhythm are just fun vibes if you will um youthful expression uh, exactly what the name implies just talking about the youth and growing up rhythm devoted to the art of moving butts is again exactly what it sounds like and it is it is fantastic very much in the vein of classic hip-hop and b-boy songs from the late 70s and 80s and then mr muhammad which i think is a very great showcase of ali shaheed muhammad and very much in the vein of eric b and rakim 
that really took me back to that and I really love when they can showcase the DJ in some of these um, older albums yeah this song I felt like was kind of Muhammad's coming out like Ali really put together a well put song and this song is what I felt like where he himself broke through then after that great showcase of Ali we get a song that is so ridiculous, but also just so amazing at the same time. Ham and eggs, which is literally talking about having a healthy diet. There is a line in this song from Q-Tip, chicken, 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 I'm a finger licking winner. I have yet to find a deeper meaning to this. It's literally just have, just about eating food and eating good. It's hilarious, but at the same time, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it, going back to what you said, like Tribe could seriously make a song about anything, and you're going to listen to it. Like, they're... That's just what they do, and it they're really funny with it, and I just, I love the fact that they're capable of doing that, because there's so many rappers that, if you heard them make a song about food, you'd be like, alright, that's completely ridiculous. And then here's Tribe, like, they did it, and they had success with it. I don't eat no ham and eggs, it's <laughs> high cholesterol. Then we kind of finish out the album with Go Ahead in the Rain and Description of a Fool, which Description of a Fool, I think, is one of the underrated cuts on this album. It's really just calling out fools, including a pusher, a guy who treats his lady wrong, and just other minor crimes. And on the 25th anniversary edition, like we mentioned, um, there's a remix of Footprints by CeeLo Green, a Benita Applebaum remix by Pharrell, and the aforementioned Can I Kick It remix by J. Cole. But that is their first album, People's Instinctive Travels and the Paths of Rhythm. Really a great introduction, I think, um, to what tribe could be and would eventually become. Um, I find that a lot of debut albums of more classic artists, if you will, are either just the greatest thing ever or at the very least show what the potential can be. Like if you were to look at a purple tape um, from Raekwon or a a 50 Cent Care Richard Die Trying, those are uh, widely viewed as their greatest pieces of work and then it kind of just went on from there. But for this, with Tribe, I don't think this is their greatest work by any stretch of the imagination, and nor, it sh- nor should it be. But again, I think it's a great um, stepping stone to what they would eventually create. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there on that. Like, I think that they grow as artists, but like, that's not to say that this album is bad. Like, I, I actually really enjoyed this album, and I said it earlier that it wasn't very popular when it first came out. And I can kind of understand why, because you know it was different from the time. Like, this is, like, it's weird. But then they just like kept doing it and they, they didn't sell out. You know, they they continued doing what they were best at. And this album kind of shows like what they were going to eventually become. And the result of that was one of the most influential albums of all time. And definitely an, on a run of multiple albums, some of the most influential work of all time that is still um, influencing people today. Um, but they would follow that up with their sophomore LP, The Low End Theory, released on September 24, 1991. It was certified gold on February 19, 1992, and platinum three years later on February 1, 1995. But it only debuted at number 45 on Billboard, which I just think is fascinating. It was really the expansion of Five Dog and really one of the most influential albums of all time. Um, many people say this is one of the greatest hip-hop albums ever created, and I would be hard-pressed to find someone that disagrees with that. And the low-end theory is basically a method of production that favored low-frequency sounds and bass as opposed to the more popular treble. This really goes super hardcore into that jazz-infused rap. 
that minimalistic jazzy sound and Skeff Anselm um, kind of helped with that production and shaping that sound that they would make famous on this LP. And Fricks, this is just an incredible body of work. Completely agreed. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they kind of like revamped their style a little bit. It was more like bass. Not commercial, though. Yes, correct. It, it wasn't bass boosted. It was, well, I guess in a way it was, but not in the form that like we think of bass boosted today. I mean, like I'm talking like I mean, there's no 808s. Blues. There's no 808s on this album. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm talking like a blues feel almost to it. That's kind of like what I love about Tribe, like their ability to. It's it's not even like their lyricism because their lyricism is great, but even their production, like I think it's phenomenal. Their production is a huge reason I think Tribe is one of the greatest rap groups ever. And I mean, we can we can touch on that later. But <laughs> real quick, before we jump into the track list, the singles on this project were "Check the Rhyme," "Jazz," we've got, and "Scenario," which I would be hard pressed to find many albums with better singles released than that. I mean, would would you agree with that? I would completely agree with that, honestly. Those are some of the best cuts from Tribe, and it's really interesting that those that those were the singles, rightfully so, as they were some of the biggest songs from the project and just from their catalog. But let's jump into the track list. Excursion, which is just a great opening track from Tip, really sets the tone for what we're about to get into. It's definitely different from People's Instinctive Travels, but at the same time, it's very much the same of what Tribe is all about and really hits home on those jazz-infused raps. And then we get to Buggin' Out, which might be my favorite Tribe song ever. I think it's some of Five's best bars. I think this is one of the greatest openings to a verse ever. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? The five-foot assassin with a roughneck business, float like gravity, never had a cavity. I mean, that is just classic written all over it right there. It's one of the funnest songs from Tribe, and again, just one of the greatest hip-hop songs I think I've ever heard, and the instrumental is fantastic as well. Going to what you were saying about uh, the Five Dog's greatest bars, literally in my notes, I have, without this song, I don't think Five Dog is what he is today, honestly. I, I feel like this song was kind of his coming out, to be 100% honest. Like you were saying, like his verses are phenomenal. And then I love the back and forth between Q and Five, because that's when I think they're at their absolute best, is when they go back and forth and it's almost like they're trying to compete against each other, and that's what I love about them. And then going to the production on this song, I love it. Like, it's one of my favorite produced songs by this group. And I think that, again, Buggin' Out is really the beginning on this LP of the ways that Tip and Fife can really play off each other very well, which that would um, really come back in the best ways on Check the Rhyme and in Jazz, which we'll get to later. Rap Promoter, um, as the name implies, is talking about shady rap promoters and how they'll rip you off. This is the first inkling that you will get as listeners of basically how Tribe got ripped off by the music industry and how they had notoriously terrible record contracts and really would make their voices heard, but at the same time, not much would change in that respect. That's definitely a theme to keep an eye out for as their catalog progresses. Butter is the next track, and I think that Five really shines with Tip only on the hook. I'm um, talking about fake women and just the ladies in general, another theme that's brought back. Again, I think that this really is cool on this LP about how they really let Five kind of go off, if you will. Having Tip on the hook here and let Five take over the verses is a really interesting thing, especially it kind of in contrast to that first album. But, I mean, then we follow it right back up with Verses from the Abstract, which is basically a showcase of Q-Tip 
some of the best lines I think from this song. Women love the voice, brothers love the lyrics. Quest the people's choice, we driving for the spirit, which I think is one of the best lines that kind of encapsulates what Tribe is all about. Again, Tiff comes back with the world is kind of cold and the rhythm is my blanket. Wrap yourself up in it. If you love it, then you'll thank it. It's really an interesting song in the fact that obviously Tiff has great lines from it. But you also, in the outro there, they're talking about um, being in the 1990s decade and then they want to go up until the 2000s decade, which is interesting based on the fallout later in the, the group, which uh, we'll, we'll touch on in later breakdowns. But really, I think one of the most intriguing songs from Tribe's catalog versus from the abstract. Yeah, like, I kind of find it interesting, the whole 2000s. That's like they, that's where they want to go into, and then obviously the fallout, and then honestly I think that like the lyricism is great. I think my favorite part of the song is Vinia Mojiga because like I don't know her voice is just beautiful. People that can actually sing and like actually sing, like I fall in love with their voices. Tribe has been notorious for getting um, great vocalists to sing the hooks, or just, just to help out in general. Then we follow that up with Show Business featuring Diamond D, Lord Jamar, and Sadat X, two-thirds of Brand Nubian. Originally was called Georgie Porgy, which was extremely homophobic and very out there and was thankfully rejected by the label because I think that probably would have tarnished the illustrious career that Tribe had. But it turned into show business, which is a cautionary tale about the rap industry and industry rule 4080, which basically illustrates how Tribe has, again, been ripped off by show business and how dangerous of a game it is and how really there aren't many friends in it. One of the lines that stuck out to me was, bogus brothers making albums when they know they can't hack it. Go get yourself some toilet paper because your lyrics are butt. I just love that <laughs> those lines from Fife. Again, kind of just talking about whack MCs, which is another great thing that they... um talk about throughout their catalog but yeah show business thankfully it was changed and left on the cutting room floor again i think a pivotal song for tribe's career i think it was also kind of um or it seems to be like almost like a clap back at their at their record label at the time jive and another thing that i loved about this song which you you don't hear a whole ton is when there's multiple rappers on a single song and it just seems like every single verse is great that's the thing that i loved about this song is there wasn't a bad verse on it and that's probably my favorite part about it tribe has assembled um posse cuts very consistently and i think they're one of the few groups or artists to actually do that which is again just adds to their legacy but the next track is vibes and stuff which samples grant greens down here on the ground which has a heavy use of vibraphone which kind of plays into the title Interesting fact, Fife's verse is a freestyle that made it onto the album. He mentions in that verse, to this day, I believe no MC can best me. One, another one of his freestyles would later make it onto a um, later album, One Two Shit. But there are multiple shout-outs to Bob Power, um, an engineer for them, Cool G Rap, Africa Bombada. And then at the end, Tip has an O to F, MC Trouble, Scott LaRock, and Cowboy Wiggins. Just kind of a tribute to people who have overdosed or been shot basically fallen brothers and sisters and it's it's kind of a touching tribute at the end and really just a, a lovely song honestly probably the vibraphone in the song is probably my favorite part about it that's just another thing the the whole jazz feel that a tribe has that's probably my favorite part about them and then my favorite line on the the song is to this day i still believe that no mc can serve me just because that's kind of like fife 
just talking about other rappers in the game and just showing that he believes that he's the absolute best. Yeah, again, I think that Fife at times is very self-deprecating, but I love how he can just kind of go in and puff out his chest at the same time when he wants to. And again, I am a, I'm a sucker for shout-outs, and I think that Tip and Tribe do a great job of throwing out love to their brethren in hip-hop. R.I.P. Scholar Rock, MC Trouble, and Cowboy Wiggins. The next track, Infamous Date Rape, which brings attention to this problem, which was a and still is an issue today, and really kind of just details, again, healthy relationships with women, which I think is something that's not talked a lot about in hip-hop, but I think it's cool that Tribe kind of brings that out and um, brings attention to issues that not a lot of people want to talk about. Obviously, they're tackling a major problem here. But it's another example of them being able to kind of have fun with it. Like they're kind of making jokes in the song, but then when you're actually reading the lyrics, you realize like they're talking about an actual issue and kind of what you were talking about. Well, it's about. almost satirical in that aspect. <laughs> yeah. So kind of what you were going back and talking to, it's something that rappers don't talk about enough because one of the biggest problems in the hip-hop industry is the way that they treat their female counterparts, honestly. And so, like, that's just not a problem that gets brought up very much because, I don't know, just the problem is them themselves in a lot of cases. So I think that this song is kind of a great way to bring awareness to that and just kind of a great example of Tribe's way to talk about major issues, but they're still having fun making music. Yeah, and I think it's definitely one of the more important songs from Tribe's catalog and one of the, the more interesting songs that they've ever created. Check the Rhyme. Again, one of their singles, a classic song, Yon Point, Tip, All the Time, Fife. Probably the best back and forth that we've heard from Tip and Fife. And again, just a great song. It's been sampled 15 times, <laughs> which is just, it's just crazy and deservedly so. And again, just a bona fide classic song. I mean, if we want to talk about the chemistry between Tip and Fife, this is a great example of that because not only are they like going back and forth, but then they also jump on verses together. And that's something that not a lot of rap groups, I feel like, can pull off very well, is having a verse where they are all in it together. And that just kind of shows that the chemistry between the two, like, they, they were phenomenal in that aspect. That's another reason that Tribe was just so great, is because they could honestly get on a track, go back and forth against each other, and then they could also get on a verse and go back and forth on a single verse with each other. Yeah, and then definitely more shout-outs to their home street, Linden Boulevard, back in Queens, which is a very important piece of their history. And again, just a great showcase of both Tip and Fife's lyricism. Fife even starts his verse with, Now here's a funky introduction of how nice I am. Tell your mother, tell your father, send a telegram. Again, just really kind of a, a funky, cool song, and really, really just one of the better cuts um, from their catalog. And then we move on towards the um, latter half of the LP, Everything is Fair, which has a heavy funkadelic sampling on the hook. Jazz, we've got, I did not know this, is actually inspired by Straight Outta Compton, which is an album by NWA, obviously, that Q-Tip loved. He absolutely adored it. He has a line in here, Tranquility will make you unball your fist, for we put hip-hop on a brand new twist, which basically talks about how Tribe smoother and not as rough around the edges but also they they're kind of here to spread love and peace which is something different from the gangster rap that was really um starting to rear its head in this um, time in the early 90s obviously this was pre-tupac and biggie but still post nwa and still dr Dre and, and um, basically a lot of the west coast 
this was definitely more of a smoother ride, if you will. Fife's intro, his breakdown of the Low End Theory album, I think is highlight from this track. Actually, the legendary producer Pete Rock helped kind of produce this beat originally, um, which I think is just kind of a fun fact. And again, one of my uh, favorite songs from this album. I like how you brought up the gangster rap aspect because it was obviously something that they did not do at all, but they also weren't afraid to attack like that aspect of rap. They weren't afraid to attack other MCs. Honestly, I think that if these guys would have gotten to a rap battle with a bunch of MCs, they would be undefeated. To be honest, I mean, I don't know if they'd actually <laughs> want to do that though. I, I know, I know, but just their ability to put pen to paper and just write down a great verse—it's almost second to none. They're phenomenal, and the fact that they can have kind of like this jazz feel and very laid back, and still sit there and talk about like rap as a whole, and the fact that they feel like that they're better than everyone else—I mean, that's just especially what was popular at the time. I mean, we're talking about stuff that was kind of going hard, hard beats, you know, gang, the gangster rap, obviously. And then they're over here, like, laid back, just chilling, and here they are still, like, their verses are probably harder than most of, most <laughs> of these other guys. I mean, they definitely have that East Coast feel in the way that, especially at this time, East Coast is definitely more about lyrics, and West Coast is more about vibe and just kind of getting your political-driven message across. And jazz is a is a cut that I actually point a lot of people to if they want to hear something a little different in hip hop and check their rhyme as well. It's, it's really something cool in the fact it's very much a jazz song, I, at least I believe. Um, but at the same time, it's really cool how they infused hip hop into that, um, and just one of the one of the better mashups. But to end this album, we have Sky Pager and What, um, which is a series of questions from Tip, kind of a fun song. But then we get to one of or at least possibly the best posse cut of all time scenario featuring leaders of the new school and a new Busta Rhymes, which this was actually how the world was introduced to Busta Rhymes, who would later collaborate a lot with Tribe. One of the greatest music videos of all time. Like I mentioned, one of the greatest posse cuts of all time. I hate saying things are the greatest or goats or what or classic whatever you want to call it but i feel like it's it's um worthy for tribe especially this album and this song just one of the funnest songs i've ever heard and just absolutely incredible top to bottom i love that it's the final song on the album that's probably my favorite part of it because it just closes it out and it introduces us to the relationship with busta and at the time man i mean you have to imagine like okay, like, they're probably going to continue this relationship, and then seeing what the relationship has now become between Tribe and Busta is phenomenal. Like, I think he's done some of his greatest work with Tribe. And so I love the back and forth that him and Q have. Probably, honestly, my favorite part of the song. And then going back to the music video, which I was actually texting Brayden this last <laughs> night, that last night is the first time I've ever seen this video, and it is honestly one of the greatest music videos I've ever seen. It's phenomenal. I, I loved every second of it. Grantland had a great breakdown of the scenario video that you, could, you should definitely look up. Um, obviously, being from Kansas City, I love the um, the Fife dog playful shots at Bo Jackson <laughs> to begin his verse. Um, I love the line, brothers front, they say the tribe can't flow, but we've been known to do the impossible like Broadway Joe. So, And then a, a line later from Charlie Brown, who got the vibe is the tribe, y'all, and just kind of encapsulates what they're all about, just having a fun time. For lack of a better term, I just love this song. 
it's been sampled a bunch, uh, about 10 times or so, interpolated a bunch, and again, just one of the better songs from their catalog and from this album. But that is the low-end theory. And the low-end theory, a lot of people say, is the tribe's best work. It's one of the greatest albums ever created in the hip-hop genre, at the very least. Fricks, would you say this is your favorite Tribe album? I'm going to say no, and we're going to find out later which one is my favorite, but it's easily my second favorite. The first album kind of got me like, okay, like I'm kind of I'm digging what they're throwing out. This album, when I started listening to it, I was like, definitely one of my favorite groups right now. And just, I love that it wasn't exactly the introduction to Fife, but it was his coming out of because Tip really took over in that first album, and then this is really where Fife just kind of took over, and, well, not take over, but they went back and forth with each other. That's probably my favorite part about the album, because now, honestly, Fife is probably my favorite member from that group. Him or Ollie, to be honest, because of just Ollie's ability to DJ, but um, that's what I love so much about the album. Yeah, like, as you mentioned, Fife really came to the forefront of the group and really felt for the first time that he was on the same level as Tip because it seemed like up until that point, uh, or at least through the first album, he felt more like a background singer to Tip than anything else. But it was really cool to kind of see him go to the forefront. I wouldn't say this was my favorite either, but again, I really want to appreciate and acknowledge the fact of how influential this album was, not only in that current sphere at that time in the early 90s, but even to today, people still reference it, people still interpolate, sample, all that. Again, just one of the greatest LPs, at least widely recognized in hip-hop, and if you haven't listened, please listen. They would follow that up a couple years later with Midnight Marauders, released on November 9th, 1993. It reached number one on hip-hop R&B charts and number eight on Billboard Top 200. Finally, a Tribe album got some respect on the charts. <laughs> it was certified gold on January 14th, 1994, and platinum on January 11th, 1995, which, just by the way, that's how things used to be, and there wasn't a Drake who would go platinum in like a day or whatever it was with all the streaming numbers and stuff. That's actually traditional sales. This was anchored by singles, a war tour, electric relaxation, and oh my god. And a fun thing about this album cover of Midnight Marauders, it's one of my favorite album covers, and just the fact that it has a bunch of people associated with hip-hop, everybody from members of Beastie Boys to Chuck D to the tribe itself, and basically everyone who was involved with hip-hop at that time even had Ice-T at one point. I even read that Common and a few others didn't feel disrespected, but they felt disappointed that they weren't actually included on the album cover, and that was almost a rite of passage at the time. And so I just think that really shows Tribe's influence even in the middle of, in their heyday of creating music. I think one of the coolest features about this LP. I didn't know the whole Common thing. I, that's like super interesting because Common actually like does some work with Tribe and I think one of his influences was Tribe. So that's actually really neat to see that. Just interesting to hear about, I guess. But yeah, the album cover is probably my favorite one, to be honest. It's really cool because we don't, you don't see that very often. We're kind of an album cover has so many types of, or different people from it and kind of just anything in hip-hop that really brings people together I think is cool and so which at the end of the day that's what hip-hop is I mean everybody loves the beefs and and kind of all the back and forth obviously but at the end of the day hip-hop was meant to bring people together and have fun and I think that's really something the tribe did very well and kind of um, showcased 
in an illustration like that on their album cover. But let's get into it with Midnight Marauders Tour Guide, which is obviously introduced on this track, but there's basically like a robotic voiceover for the majority of this album, voiced by Laurel Don, kind of takes you through the course of this album, kind of just leading you through each track. It's very similar for people, I guess, in today's day and age to Logic's Incredible True Story. That was heavily influenced by that and very much the same. Logic, again, is another one of the newer artists that was heavily influenced by Tribe. The second track, Steve Bicko, Stir It Up. Again, some of Fife's best bars. Hip-hop scholar since being knee-high to a duck, high to Muggsy Bogues, complexion of a hockey puck. Fife really came through, kind of setting the tone for this album. It definitely, I feel like, started with a lot more energy than the last two albums, which I think is cool. Kind of just shows how a tribe is willing to not reinvent themselves fully, but also kind of slightly tweak things to kind of change it up to make sure that not every album sounded the same, which I think is really cool that a lot of other people should uh, and have tried to emulate. Finally, I just think this is funny that it took this long for Q-Tip to make a joke about actual Q-Tips. That's a dumb point to make, but I just think it's funny. The song is named after famous anti-apartheid activist Steve Bicko, who was actually portrayed in a film by Denzel Washington around that time. And just a really, really fun song to kind of uh, introduce this album. I think the most interesting thing about it is that it really brings out, like, Tribe really has simple beats. Like in this one, it's like a bass, bass, snare. They, then they throw in extra things on top of it that like just make it so wavy like it just makes you want to move your body and honestly like this song was really kind of what brought that out to me it's not the first song on the album but it's like the first actual song that like gets you moving gets like it's the first actual like song to be honest you just mentioned the production stuff the bass bass snare thing was very prevalent um at the beginning of hip-hop all the way from late 70s all the way through the 80s and then the 90s was really where I think production really took the next step, and Q-Tip was definitely at the forefront of it, um, producing for guys like Nas and Mob Deep and the East Coast sound. Um, Dr. Dre is another guy that really kind of helped pioneer in the production front and influenced guys like Kanye West later on and No ID and Timbaland and Swizz Beats and all of them. But the production really kind of stepped up a notch in this time and really... It was cool to see guys kind of see what they could do and make different sounds even with that minimalistic but throw a jazzy thing on top or um, with Dre kind of more of that wavy vibey thing that he would do later on with Death Row and, and all of them. But anyway, back to Tribe. Their next song, A War Tour featuring Trigoy the Dove. Again, the first Tribe song I ever heard. I love this beat. It's super catchy. Again, Fife is a great line. Fife Dog is my name, but on stage, call me Dino Mutt. One of the names on his laundry list of nicknames <laughs> that Fife Dog has, I think he, he has to have the most nicknames in hip-hop. I mean, I, I, cannot think, I cannot think of a person that has more than him. <laughs> Again, this is really just talking about whack MCs and, and just a really, really fun song by Tribe. I think my favorite part about it is not only is it talking about whack MCs, but it also kind of acknowledges the fact that people thought they were weird, and now they're like, do you guys think that we're that weird? We're, we're pretty popular, you know? Like, you guys are love us, so you guys are the weird ones. So that's what I love about Tribe, is just that they came in with something different, and now, to this day, so many people have been influenced by it. So many people have tried to recreate what Tribe honestly kind of started, and so I think that's just so neat because that they were so influential in the rap game and probably my favorite line on this track is when was the last time you heard 
the five sloppy lyrics anonymous you'll never hear me copy because it's just kind of points to the fact that they can write their lyrics and it doesn't matter like what you actually think about them their ability to write they felt like they were the best at writing writing a track definitely and i remember just kind of as a story i mentioned earlier one of the lines the first time i ever heard this song that stuck out to me was from tip see lyrically i'm mario andretti on the momo ludicrously speedy or infectious with the slow-mo heard me in the 80s jb's in the promo just again really showcasing how tip is really one of the greatest lyricists um, i've ever heard and that hook from dove uh, we on a war tour with muhammad my man going each and every place with the mic in the hand kind of just showing that worldwide appeal that they're all about. Um, this song has been sampled 23 times, which, again, just really shows their influence. Kanye did a fairly famous interpolation of it on The Glory from his graduation album. But again, one of the most influential tracks from Tribe and really just, um, I think, one of the highlights from this album and from their catalog. We move on to 8 Million Stories. It's almost entirely Fife. And it's basically about having a bad day. <laughs> kind of just talks through different scenarios about that. Fun fact, it was sampled in 1985 off of J. Cole's latest album, K.O.D. Again, r always interesting to hear a song that is basically a Fife Dog showcase. Yeah, I mean, this was kind of like one of the first times that we see Fife go deep into his own thoughts. And it's just another prime example of how they can kind of have a little bit of fun with it. It, he's talking about bad days and just like the ultimate of bad days honestly everything is just going wrong for him but he still kind of has a little bit of fun with it and that's something that I feel like not a lot of people can do is make a serious track but then still kind of not make you sad by listening to it like it, it's a serious I don't want to say a serious topic but like it's a deep track but you're not sad listening to it either yeah again it's really cool to see um, a different side of Fife in this and how he's very much um, introspective on this track, which is something we don't see from Fife Dog a lot, and it's really cool to kind of hear his different perspective, because the introspective stuff is usually reserved for Tip, and so kind of just to flip it on its head like that is really interesting, and again, just plays to the diversity of the group. The next track, Sucka N-Words, it basically details the history of the N-Word. Tip kind of goes in on this track, kind of calling people out about how that word has just been kind of thrown around like it was nothing and how it really has a deep ingrained history in the um, history of African Americans in this country. And again, a politically charged track, absolutely. And when a point needs to be made, Q-Tip is one of the best at doing it. Probably the coolest part about this track is how it kind of goes into the origin of the word and talks about all that. And like then like how it's kind of used today, or I guess not today, but like at that time, I think that's probably my favorite part of the song. Obviously, like me and you don't really relate to it very much, but it's just, <laughs> it, it's just neat seeing that perspective of it. Because honestly, like, the group was really intelligent, so seeing like an intelligent side of that argument from that perspective. It's definitely been talked about a lot by people in hip hop and how it it's such a heavily used word in today's hip hop even as well. And obviously, we being two white dudes are probably not the best equipped to have that conversation but at the same time it's something that i think will always be talked about and how some people see it as just putting their own spin on it and, and empowering it instead of using it as an insult and i think it's just an ongoing conversation that um, should be had in the hip-hop community and again just another example of tribe bringing a topic to life that not many people actually discussed especially at that time in the mid 90s then we follow 
Midnight featuring Raphael Sadiq. It's more examples, I think, of Tip being one of the best storytellers of all time. And I think his second verse is one of the best verses that Tip's ever had. I'll, I'll agree with that. You've pretty, you've pretty much honestly taken the words out of my mouth. His ability to, to tell a story is phenomenal. I think the only thing I'd really have to add to that is he continues to show his ability to create a rhyme scheme. And honestly, I think that he's one of the best at doing that. Like in today's hip-hop, it seems like rhyming isn't as big of a deal as it was back then. And, I mean, he was just phenomenal at being able to do that. I mean, definitely, just throughout this second verse here, the time we get down, yo, son, you know the sound, the flavor's on the top with the rugged beat to back it, the night makes the ore and the jay can't hack it, the way the moon dangles in the midnight sky and the stars dance around, ayo, I think it's fly. With a lot of groups, I feel like, through hip-hop history, there's always kind of one guy, I feel like, that stands out a little bit. Tribe is one of the few groups where both or all or whatever you want to call it, the MCs kind of are on the same level. At least at least to me they are. If I had to choose one, then we can cross that bridge when we get there. But yeah, again, just I love this album especially kind of I think really gives platforms to both Fife and Tip to kind of showcase their lyrical prowess. Next track, We Can Get Down, which is a super funky, upbeat track. Fife has a great line, hip hop will never die, yo, it's all about the rap. It's one of my favorites from this album. It's really, again, just another fun song. Um, Shout out to My Melody by Eric B. and Rakim at the end, that sampling. And again, just a super, super fun song that Tribe has right here. You can definitely get down to this song. Yes. Oh my goodness. (laughs) I I really like the beat to it. It's funky, it's upbeat, it's, it's really fun to listen to. It's another just perfect example of what Tribe is capable of doing beats-wise. It's definitely in that same vein about this time in hip-hop, where hooks were basically, not not basically, but a lot of the times, um, at least for hit songs, they were just repeated phrases, if you will. We can get down, we can, we can get down. Like, that thing is repeated like eight times or something like that, but it's still super catchy. Fife comes in with that first verse, I'm not your average MC with the Joe, Joe Schmo flow. If you don't know me by now, you'll never know. He is really just fully flexing right here, and I am here for it. Q-tip goes, I'm the cherry on the top of your ice cream. I'm the mystic thought inside your dream. Listen to the way you pulsate the jam. I'm the dude here with the mic in hand. I mean, it's again just tribe fully flexing, and it's just a great cut. Electric Relaxation. It's talking about smooth moves with the ladies. It's one of the more popular tracks from tribe. It's always viewed as one of the more famous cuts it's on i believe it's on um they're like greatest hits this is also the first music video that i've ever seen by tribe it's really interesting so you guys should go watch it i don't know like it's very wavy it's very i'm trying to think of a way to explain it just kind of relaxed and that's the point of the song it's very smooth literally the hook is relax yourself girl please settle down something different i mean tribe has always been about like smooth instrumentals and stuff like that but i feel like this is even another step forward in that because i don't know if they've ever had a song quite like this um again a heavily influential song it's been sampled about 12 times interpolated a few more and you mentioned uh music videos frick i feel like tribe has some of the best music videos from a group or artist or whatever just a series of music videos whether it's the bugging out jazz video or scenario video electric relaxation or a war tour. I think that's just an interesting thing that kind of adds to their legacy of how they really changed the game in hip hop. 
The next track in the LP is Clap Your Hands. I think it's one of the catchiest songs and beats in Tribe's catalog. Kind of goes along with the name of the track, Clap Your Hands. Very easy to get into, very fun in that respect. Oh My God, which is the reintroduction of Busta Rhymes. Busta's on the hook, talking about whack MCs. Another introduction of one of Fife's many nicknames, the Funky Diabetic, and really kind of talks about the definition of an MC and what an MC should be about. And sort of these whack ones that um, Tribe is seeing, especially Fife is seeing, and just a really cool, upbeat song in that respect. Reading the line, when's the last time you heard of Funky Diabetic? Now looking back at it, it kind of makes you really, really sad knowing like... Well, knowing the eventual <laughs> yeah, results of the that. Yeah. events that have occurred later. But I mean, I love that the, the grooviness that this song has to it. it. It makes you want to move. It makes you want to dance. That's something that Tribe is really, really good at doing. It's just making you try to move your body. And this is another song that makes you move your body. One of the cool aspects that, that Tribe can do, especially shout out Ali once again. Next song, Keep It Rolling, featuring Large Professor, who is one of, I don't know if I want to say guest producers, but I guess that's really the only way to put it, guest producers for this track. I love the Barney shout out by Fife. I think that's just really funny. I love the flows from all of the um, verses in this track. I think it's really cool how just smooth they ride this beat from both Tiff and Fife and Large Professor as well, who has um, a verse at the end. And I love the Nas shout-out at the end because uh, obviously Illmatic had not come out at this time, but they had released some singles at that point. Large Professor produced Halftime, One Time for Your Mind, and It Ain't Hard to Tell for Illmatic. So it's kind of cool to shout-out Nas before Nas was actually a thing. Um, just kind of nerding out there a little bit. Another fun track. And one thing that I've really noticed, or at least that I noticed going back through this album, was that... I don't know if there are really any wasted tracks on this LP. Every track on Midnight Marauders plays a role, whether it's from more smoother laid-back tracks from Electric Relaxation to more upbeat party anthems, if you will, from like a war tour, clap your hands, we get it on. Just a really diverse piece of art really just delivers. Completely agreed that they didn't waste words, I felt like. They didn't waste beats, they didn't waste anything. Every single song just seems to, like you were saying, it plays a role and it just keeps, it makes you want to continue listening to the album. It makes you want to finish the album. Like if you started at track one and went in order, you would want to finish the album in one sitting because each song just brings something new to the table and it just brings a different aspect of what the tribe was. That's probably my favorite part about this album especially because that is something that it definitely accomplishes. It, it doesn't seem like there's any throwaways on this. Honestly, in my opinion, in the first three albums, I felt like they didn't have a throwaway song, to be 100% honest. I mean, maybe you could probably make an argument with the first album, but especially two and three, I felt like each song just was phenomenal. It didn't seem like anything was bad. I think definitely on People's Instinctive Travels, there are probably a couple songs just in the fact that um, Tribe at that point was really trying to figure out what they were and what sound they wanted to have and what kind of group they wanted to be in general. But yeah, I mean, Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders, those are two albums that really are in the pantheon of greatest um, LPs ever created. And to be in that case, I don't think there's anything, like I've mentioned on this podcast before, there's no such thing as a perfect album. And if you really wanted to go dissect it, I think I could probably find a couple tracks that they needed to be do without. 
But at the same time, there are a few albums that are pretty close to perfect, and I think Midnight Marauders is definitely in that class, if not Low End Theory as well. But we move on in the track list to The Chase Part 2, which is kind of a redo in kind of the same vein of a Dead Presidents 2 from Jay-Z and kind of the fact how the first version was kind of demoed, but then they kind of reworked it a little bit to kind of come out with the full realized version for the LP. Some great lines on here to kind of show off their lyrical prowess once again. Great lines from Tip, musically the three, poetically we be, and later on don't mark us for the L because you know we got the blends. It's the Ab Shahid and the dog for the win. This is a really cool song in the fact that it kind of just shows off what Tribe brings to the table and I love it when Tribe can kind of come together and shout each other out as well and kind of just show how great that chemistry is on Wax. That's probably the strongest thing that they have is their chemistry and like you're saying like their ability to shout each other out they shout the tribe out many many times I mean it's phenomenal one of my favorite things that they do is when somebody else is about to jump in on the track so for say Tip is about to jump in on the track Fife will like mention Tip like as he's finishing his verse and then Tip comes in like that that is something that they are phenomenal at their chemistry is just unmatched there's very few hip-hop artist honestly especially like I hate to say because like I don't think the generation problem like people will talk about like generation and this generation of hip-hop is trash like I don't believe that but I think that something that has started to go missing in a lot of today's hip-hop music is the poetry and I think that Tip and Fife were truly poets their lyricism is just phenomenal this song especially this song kind of brought that out to me well, and you even mentioned um, poets. Really, the 90s, I think, well, even late 80s as well with guys like Rakim, Big Daddy Kane, but I think the 90s were viewed as kind of the second golden age of hip-hop. There were a lot of poets, as you mentioned, that came up during this time. You got, you have guys like Tip and Fife, but also guys later on like Nas and Tupac especially. Tupac is seen as arguably the greatest poet in hip-hop, and that's just something that's different from this day and age. Obviously back in the 90s and just kind of during this era, lyrics were really what got you in to the mainstream. Obviously there were special occurrences like A Kid in Play or Vanilla Ice, guys that kind of had um, a couple hits, but at the end of the day for staying power, you really needed to come with bars. And that's just something that's different from today. I think that some people aren't really able to um, kind of fully grasp that, Eminem being the first example that really comes to mind at the moment. And I think that's just something that needs to be taken into consideration. And especially, if you're talking about Tribe, Tribe is a group that was all about doing your own thing and making your own sound and evolving with the times and really just carving your own path. And if anything, Q-Tip and um, if Fife were still here, it would definitely be about these new guys wanting to do their own thing and not really caring what other people say and just basically making your own career out of whatever you want it to be. That's just, again, one of the hypocritical things about hip-hop and the fact that they they say they want to be revolutionary, but at the same time, um, when somebody else is trying to do their own thing. Not saying Lil Pump is revolutionary, but um, don't, yeah, don't twist my words in that respect, but at the same time, you kind of have to respect it and kind of just accept it all because that's what hip-hop's about and kind of inclusion in that respect but anyway i digress and the last couple tracks on this lp lyrics to go 
fun fact, it was sampled and Everybody Dies by J. Cole, which if you haven't figured out by now, J. Cole was heavily influenced by Tribe. Some electric guitar in this beat, which is a rarity for Tribe, which they really wouldn't explore until um, their last album, We Got It From Here, with Jack White. Really just flexing their lyrical prowess, as the name implies. In the final track, God Lives Through, samples Oh My God from earlier in the LP. I like the shout out to Passing Me By by Farside, another classic single. And a great line from this is MCs be running scares as if they're watching The Exorcist. Um, just another kind of fun shout out to Whack MCs. Really cool way to end this album with shout outs to um, various New York MCs and especially ones on the album cover. I love how Tip goes, lyrics are abundant right there. I sound redundant, which is a shout back to um, Steve Bicko. But again, that is Midnight Marauders. In my opinion, the best, or at least my favorite LP the Tribe ever created. Fricks, where does this LP stand in their catalog for you? Third. Third? Third. Wow, okay. So, so you know, like, Low in Theories 2, this is third. You probably know which one's my favorite now. That That is a bit of a hot take. But, that but is we'll, a bit of a hot take. <laughs> we'll get to that later. But um, I think my favorite part of this album and really just my favorite part of Tribe is like you were saying earlier, their their ability to evolve and do their own thing. And that's really this album kind of coming out during the time of the gangster rap movement. I mean, this album kind of was completely different from that. They didn't want to follow that path at all. And this album perfectly embodies that. Just the jazz feel, the, the funkiness that it brings. I mean, that's what I love about this album. That's what I love about A Tribe Called Quest, just in general. At this point in Tribe's career, this is really the end of the Tribe as we know it. In the fact that they would take a bit of a hiatus for a couple years and come back with Beats, Rhymes, and Life, which was released on July 30th, 1996. It went platinum, their quickest album to that point that went platinum. It's their darkest material to date due to um, a few things and being Fife moved to Atlanta, kind of away from the group. And um, again, as we've mentioned, poor label relations and their record deal just being absolute garbage. Tip converted to Islam the year before and added JD to the production crew. And Consequence, who is actually Tip's cousin, if you didn't know, Consequence from Good Music fame, or later Good Music fame, added Consequence into kind of the, as an ancillary member of Tribe, Jay Dilla, the famous Jay Dilla um, from Slum Village kind of came in to help produce the next couple albums for Tribe and formed the UMA with Tip and Ali to kind of form a new production group within the crew of the Tribe. But at the same time, with all this change, Fife even said the chemistry was dead and shot with Tip obviously thinking different and thinking things were much more serious after his conversion to Islam and kind of just a different focus and shift. Singles on this LP were once again and stressed out. There were mixed reviews due to the dark materials and different sound. Um, debuted at number one on Billboard and obviously went platinum as I mentioned. Definitely a hard left turn from what Tribe was accustomed to and what listeners were accustomed to from Tribe and obviously they were well established by this point being their fourth LP. And as we move into the track list here, it starts off with phony rappers featuring Consequence. Tip and Fife kind of tell stories of battle rapping dudes on the subway. Consequence comes through 
on the verse with Fife, and they have the outro again with an end by a quote that's not necessarily attributed to anybody, but the um, widely accepted theory is that it's from Louis Farrakhan. And again, an interesting track to, I guess, intro this album. I, I think that number one, introducing Consequence was kind of a big thing because as we'll get into later, you know, he he's a big reason that this album was as successful as it was, even though people didn't really like it as much as their past two or their past few projects. And then kind of a common theme is with Tribe is calling out today's MCs. Obviously, this song does that, the title, Phony Rappers, but I think my favorite line from it is just because you rhyme for a couple of weeks doesn't mean you've reached the MC's peak. I think that like perfectly embodies what this song is all about. It's just you need sustained success in order to thrive in this industry. And just because, like you mentioned earlier, Vanilla Ice, because you have one single that like blew up doesn't mean like you're the greatest thing on the planet. It really kind of introduces the common theme of them calling out um, MCs, but it also kind of starts off like starts the whole the darker turn that the album will get into later. I think that this was a solid introduction for this album because it, it does take a spin. Definitely, and I I think that adding consequence is is kind of some added flavor that uh, really kind of helped this album. But anyway, move on to the next track, get a hold. An interesting fact, it took Jay Dilla about 12 minutes to make this instrumental and he still felt like it was taking too long. Again, this was more shots at the record company that they were with. Really, again, just showed all of the things that were kind of falling apart, for lack of a better term at this point, in the tribe's career. And also, Tip got Hip Hop Quotable of the Month from the source for verse 3. I feel like a lot of this album I just find interesting because it's just so, so different from anything that we've heard thus far. I completely agree, because it does take a turn on their whole careers, honestly. I mean, I think you said it earlier that their last album was kind of the end of the height of their career. Like, this one, they started going down. The thing that you see the most on this track is the distance between Tip and Five, because Tip really does take over on this track. So I think that's probably the biggest part, is just their chemistry just could not happen because they weren't together, like you mentioned earlier, Fife being in Atlanta. I'd say that the biggest thing I'd take from this song, and this is something that Tribe does phenomenal with, is the sampling. Now, I'm honestly not someone that, like, although hip-hop was kind of created from sampling, I love it when people create original material. I don't want to discredit sampling, because I'm not saying I dislike it. I honestly, I don't really get that take from you personally, (laughs) because sampling is ingrained into the history of hip-hop yeah i I mean i don't know i I just that doesn't really make much sense to me in that respect but anyway really kind of cool instrumental on this one tip again as we mentioned got the hip-hop quotable of the month verse three starts hey yo we just getting started got to redirect this vision got the beauty of a flower plus dimensions like a prism your minds are locked down like prison y'all really need to go lay down because positivity has risen just kind of reinforcing the positive vibes that Tribe tries at least to kind of infuse into their lyrics and kind of out into the world, although positivity wasn't exactly at the forefront of all of their members' minds at the time of this recording. And we move on to the next track, Motivators, featuring Consequence, uh, basically a freestyle session with a stripped-back instrumental. A fun track, and I really love when Tribe can just kind of 
go in and have fun and freestyle with each other. I think this was one of the few times where I felt like Tribe was actually vibing off of each other. Next track, The Jam, and again featuring Consequence, a story about a kid hitting his first joint, then going to a party. Fun fact at the end, uh, Fast Life by Cool G Rap featuring Nas um, is playing at the end when they're in the car after the cop finds them. The crew, again, about Tip's friend kissing Tip's wife and just kind of tribe's rocky relationship and how they just have a lot of misfortune when it comes to the ladies, I guess, um, for lack of a better term. Next track, The Pressure, which is an interesting song. As we mentioned earlier, Samples. This one is one of the most heavily sampled tracks in Tribe's catalog. It samples former Tribe songs such as Steve Bicko, Stir It Up, God Lives Through, Electric Relaxation, Bugging Out, A War Tour, if, if the Papes Come, Scenario, Jazz We've Got, Lyrics to Go, We Can Get Down, and Verses from the Abstract. <laughs> so if you don't like sampling, then this track is probably not for you. Which is funny because it's my favorite track on the album. Wow. Uh, that's, <laughs> see, I find I that know. fascinating. It's it's weird like i guess for me it's just when somebody creates original material i give them so much respect i I don't want to say that i dislike sampling because i don't i love it when people sample now there are times where like i'm like wow that was garbage shout out drake and nice for what (laughs) when you can create original material i think i just give people so much credit for it but like i said like i don't dislike it when people sample when it when it works well and a big part with this song is they sampled a lot of their old songs which were once sampled from a different but i mean i guess they're sampling their own material i guess so there's that but the reason i love this song so much is because the dj the turntablism again the the record scratching that's something that i love that tribe does a really good job with and it seems like it kind of disappeared and now this song really brings it back and that's probably my favorite part and then it's also just the last couple songs like for a short period in in this album their chemistry it didn't disappear it felt like and this is another song that shows that and again like none of the verses on this song were weak and so that's another thing that i love about it something that really helped me uh, with this album was consequence because i think there are times where if Consequence wasn't there, I don't know if I'd be able to listen to this album. Just in the fact that that chemistry, like Fife mentioned, was almost non-existent at times on this track, which really makes me think that it's one of the weaker LPs, just in the fact that the chemistry, I feel like, was one of the best parts about Tribe, and when it's not there, it just feels very disjointed, and it's just not really my thing. I think that as a whole, this LP is very, um, I would say it's fine, even good. I will say that. Like, I don't think that Tribe necessarily, at least up until this point, created a bad album because there are definitely lots of highlights, and I think adding J. Dilla and Consequence were very cool, and JD as well. But at the end of the day, it just was, at points, a swing and a miss, um, just in my eyes. But anyway, we'll move on towards the latter half of this LP. Once again which is one of the um, singles from this LP featuring Tammy Lucas. Tip has a great line, we be the real MCs, you dead, so bring a shovel. He even calls himself Slick Tip the Ruler, which is an ode, obviously, to the great Slick Rick the Ruler. I think this is an alright song. I know for some people this was a standout and obviously one of the singles, but one of the funner songs, if you will, out of this old kind of dark, twisted, whatever vibe they were going for, 
Next track, Mind Power. Again, Consequence comes back. Some more Mob Deep and Bustus shoutouts. Five has a great line, you front hard when you're softer than Berenstein Bears. What kind of stands out to you, Fricks, from these, these two tracks? With, with Once Again, personally, I think Kami Lucas, she was the biggest reason that I, I enjoyed that song so much. I think that like without her, that song isn't nearly as good as it was. Um, going on to Mind Power, see, when we talk about beats that go hard, especially with today's generation, I mean, you're thinking of like things like, like Smoke Perp, like Little Pump, you know, guys like that, when you think of like beats that go hard, Tribe didn't really have, not really, Tribe did not have beats like that, but are the beat on Mind Power really hit hard for me. I really, really enjoyed it. The instrumental on the song, that that's another thing that I give so much credit to Tribe for is their ability to create instrumental. And then going to the lyricism on it, this is probably my favorite consequence verse, verse two. The first couple of songs that he was featured on, on the album, I, I just wasn't really like vibing with too much, to be honest. It took a little bit before I could finally start to kind of feel consequence. But then this song is really, I was like, okay, like consequence is a big part of this album. He's definitely one of the linchpins um, or the linchpin for this album in a lot of respect. Yeah, again, he, he's another standout from this track. Moving on to the next track, The Hop. For the first time in Tribe's catalog, I think this song's corny. And I don't say that a lot with Tribe songs especially, but I was not feeling this one at all. I felt this was super corny. I thought Five had corny bars. Tip's verse didn't really hit me at all. Really just a throwaway track. Moving on to keeping it moving. And it really... As we mentioned earlier and how they're not really about beef and stuff, this is really all about that East Coast, West Coast tip and tribe, especially staying neutral and really just calling out both sides and how it's just kind of ridiculous that they're fighting over what seemed, at least in their eyes, like trivial nonsense. And he shouts out both sides, East and West Coast acts and Mob Deep, Biz Marquee, DJ Quick, Dr. Dre, Extra P and MC Ike. Really, I think this is definitely one of the standout tracks in the fact that I feel like Tribe and Tip especially are actually talking about something because that's one of my biggest criticisms about this al album is that I feel like a lot of times they're just kind of going through the motions for a lot of this LP and for keeping it moving, I feel like they actually had a point to make, which makes it one of the highlights for um, this album. I, I do like how they were just kind of calling out during that time, like that day's generation of rap music, how they stood neutral. That's really like the biggest part of this song. It just kind of goes to show, continue furthers the argument that they didn't want to be like anybody else. They wanted to be themselves. They didn't care what other people were making. They wanted to make something that they enjoyed making. And this song, I wouldn't say that it's like them having fun with it. It's more of them, like you were saying, talking about something big during the time which was the east coast west coast beef like that's really what they're calling out and i also do kind of like how they're really kind of saying that it was dumb just the fact that it existed people should instead like focus on what they want to focus on and not worry about like what people around them are making so that's really where my favorite part of this song is just the message that they were trying to throw out there yeah and they'll even explore that a few songs later, but we'll, we'll move on to the next track, Baby Five's Return, featuring Consequence. 
Gotta Love Tracks, dedicated to Fife, has a great line on here, just keep shit hotter than death row bad boy confrontations, which is a great line and kind of funny in that respect, but at the same time, this latter half of the project definitely felt a lot more of a shift into the beef and kind of what was going on in that state of hip-hop around 96. Again, just kind of nice to hear Fife back, but at the same time, the fact that he had that big of a hiatus in the album was kind of worrisome to me. Move on, next track, Separate Together, was okay. What really goes on, it's more bars on the East-West beef and how everybody needs to calm down, basically. The sample's Pain by Ohio Players and Make It Funky by James Brown. And it's also believed to possibly be a shout-out to the Roots song, What Goes On, Part 7. Interesting track to kind of reiterate what they had been talking about the few tracks before. Wordplay is an interesting song featuring Consequence again. It's literally what the title implies and how they're just taking random words and building off of that. But what makes it interesting, in my eyes, Fife says this is one of his top five Tribe songs ever created. In an interview with New York Magazine, he even said, It's a dope record because Jay Dill is known for his drums, kicks, snares, the bass line's crazy. He just loves this song. Fricks, would you say this is a top five song in Tribe's catalog? <laughs> Production-wise, yes. I loved this beat. I'm completely with the five. But um, I also liked how they shortened their verses by a lot. And I think that's a big, big reason that this song had so much success. Because, I mean, they're known for having, like, relatively, not, like, super-duper long verses, but, like, relatively, like, long verses. But this song kind of showed off the trade-off between the three tip five in consequence. It, it showed, like, they do still have some chemistry with each other. And... Like, honestly, Consequence, this being the first album that he's on with Tribe, like, he, he does have a little bit of chemistry with the other two, so I really enjoyed that part aspect to it. But I'll, I'll agree with Fife on the fact that the production on this song is phenomenal. And I would honestly say that production-wise, it's probably one of the top five songs for Tribe. It's hard to go wrong in that respect when you have a beat produced by Jay Dilla, just because he is one of the greatest producers of all time. This is a fun song in the fact that I love how they really play off each other and the fact that they're, like you mentioned, there actually seems to be some chemistry there for once, or maybe one of the few times at least in this LP, which is definitely one of the things I look out for. Um, I think it's cool. That it I don't know if this was necessarily intentional, but it sounds like they interpolate Survival of the Fittest from Mob Deep towards the end of this album. But final track, Stressed Out, featuring Consequence and Faith Evans. Consequence really takes the driver's seat on this track, and it's really, in my opinion, one of the standout tracks. Might be my favorite from this album. Consequence has an incredible verse at the end here. I personally, just being very busy, I relate to being stressed out. <laughs> stressed out, so I, um, I, uh, I just, I just found it kind of relatable in that way. It's a cool song. Um, I, I think Faith Evans was a really nice feature on this cut but again consequence um really came through on this one and really showed how vital he was to the creation of this album honestly my favorite part of the song was probably faith evans because i'm a sucker for beautiful voices and her voice is absolutely gorgeous but um yeah i mean like you were saying the consequence is honestly a huge reason that, that this album was as successful as it was just because I mean, his presence just kind of gave it more life. Without him being on this track, without him being on this album in general, it just, it's so different. And it's, I don't know if it would have the commercial success that it did have. At the end of the day, beats, rhymes, and life 
in my opinion, would definitely be in the lower half if we were to rank them of their albums, just because I am fine with changing up your sound and stuff, but I feel like this was a little bit too radical of a change, for my opinion at least. I think Consequence and Jay Dillo really helped a lot to kind of add some new flavor to it, but at the end of the day, the chemistry was gone, the magic was gone, and it just really wasn't the same, and that really translated into their next LP, The Love Movement which was released on September 29th, 1998, was originally supposed to, it was originally supposed to come out in May 1998, but a massive fire destroyed Tip's studio on February 7th of that year, which in his studio included over 20,000 vinyl records and a computer of unreleased songs, and so the project was delayed. Since then, Tip has brought back his collection up to about um, 9,000 vinyl records, but at the end of the day, he kind of felt like this was that fire was symbolic and how he really needed to stretch himself as a producer and how he didn't have those records to sample with anymore. This LP was really, it was the result of infighting and basically the group was crumbling at this point. It was said to be the last album and with Tribe and there was no consequence on it either. A month before the release of this album, the group announced it was disbanding. So already tensions were high and people really didn't know what to expect from this album with all of that drama going on in the background. The singles anchor on this album were Find A Way, which hit number five on Billboard, Like It Like That. The album debuted at number three on Billboard and was certified gold. Really just a troublesome release and a troublesome project and a troublesome point in Tribe's career. Just a weird, weird time, and we'll head right in to this mess of a project. I'll start out with Start It Up, which is a weird intro with a very different sound, and I, honestly, I kind of hate this. I'm, it's really yeah, bad. I did, I did not like it. I didn't like the introduction. I didn't like the cadence. I mean, to be 100% honest with you, like, I had, I was listening to it with my headphones in last night, and the, like, the first, like, 10 seconds of the song, I was, like, terrified. I just didn't like it. To be honest, like, I know 808s and Heartbreaks came out a decade later, but it sounds like a bad <laughs> version of 808s and Heartbreaks is what Tip was yeah, trying to do. I, I can see that. It's, uh, I don't know, it's a mess. But then we move on to Find A Way, which I think is actually one of the highlights of this album, which obviously it, it did very well commercially. I think it's just straight vibes. It's about complaining about girls teasing them. It's very much in the vein of a radio single. It has some sampling on here as well. Tawati, Tech Nova, and Got It Till It's Gone by Janet Jackson. An interesting song. Again, very much, I feel like, catered toward a more commercial audience, which is something that Chai very rarely does. But at the same time, I think it's a fun song, which is something that is a rarity on this project. Uh, if you can't tell how I feel about this already, then uh, you're, you're kind of clueless, I guess. But, uh, um, yeah, Find A Way, interesting track. Da Booty which is, is the next track, and a lot of people say is one of the highlights just in the fact that there's better interplay between Tip and Fife, and it seems like there may be a semblance of chemistry there, but still very odd. I like the piano backing track. It's still weird to me. And then we move in to the next track, Stepping It Up, featuring Busta Rhymes and Redman, which, and interesting on this album, is that for a lot of tribes, catalog up until this point at least there weren't a lot of listed features and there weren't a lot of outside um, influences into um, tribes music 
but for a lot of the tracks on this album, there were outside people like a Red Man, Mos Def pops up later, just different people, which I just found interesting. But stepping it up, I think that this is one of the weirder posse cuts, if you want to call it that. I think that Tip and Red Man had the standout verses. I mean, definitely one of the standouts from this LP, but at the same time, I feel like with every song, it just sounds odd and just sounds a little different. Fricks, for the first four or so tracks on this LP, what kind of stood out to you? I didn't actually start digging Tip's verses up until Stepping It Up. Stepping It Up is where I felt like he finally stepped it up. <laughs> I mean, it really was a like a kind of a literal stepping it up yeah. on this LP because up until this point, I was like, what yeah, are we doing like, here, folks? That's that's the first time I was kind of digging what he was throwing. I was honestly digging more what Fife was throwing out than I was Tip, and lyrically, I feel like Tip is somewhat better, but I didn't really like Busta Rhymes' verse that much. On, I think he, he laid an egg, yeah. honestly. I mean, I was not... He, there were some parts that I was like, okay, like that's kind of cool, but then there's too many parts that I was like, yeah, no, like I could have done without his verse. His, or I could have done with, without him on this song, to be honest. That I mean, sounds mean, but... Well, I mean, <laughs> I think that's fair. I think Redman definitely, again, is a standout, and one of the, probably the more underrated MCs of all time. You should really check out Redman, especially stuff with Meth and um, Wu-Tang. But it really kind of reminded me a little bit of kind of the call back and forth between Busta, Redman, Tip, Five, all of them, of um, 4321 by LL Cool J, another song the Redman is featured on, uh, which is a classic cut that you really need to listen to if you haven't already, but I'm just kind of in the same vein of the hook on that song. We move on to Like It Like That, which is another single. It is a heavily edited sample of um, Electric Relaxation, which in itself samples Mystic Brew by Ronnie Foster. I mean, it's okay. I mean, nothing nothing crazy. A smooth track, if you will, but nothing really stands out to me besides the instrumental on this one. And honestly, for the next like few tracks here, we got Common Ground, Get get It Going On, Four Moms, which is just, just an instrumental. His name is Muddy Ranks, which is another name for Fife. And then Give Me featuring Nori, which is a very New York song. But honestly, for this stretch, I felt it was very vanilla. I didn't think that really much stood out. Like I didn't. I thought Nori's verse was like okay, on that track. But at the end of the day, I wasn't really feeling this stretch of the album. I'm a hundred percent. I honestly like in the notes that I was taking. Like I didn't like skip the songs, but like I didn't even take notes on half of these songs because it was just like they're just bland, you know. Like at this the closest point, <laughs> tribe has come to mailing it in. <laughs> yes. Like at this point in the album, I was like, this is just it's disappointing, and. Especially with, like, Muddy Ranks. Like, his name is Muddy Ranks. Like, I just, I wasn't digging any of it. Like, the audio on that song, I did not like at all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, the production was weird. And it's honestly weird on the entirety of this album. It just feels odd. I talked about how the last album was slightly disjointed. This was entirely disjointed. Pretty much top to bottom. We move on to Pad and Pen, which is a little bit of a pick-me-up at this point in the album because it really hit a dip for me at least. This song's all right, in my opinion. I know that some people might like it better. I think it, it goes back into more of the lyricism, but at the end of the day, it, it again, just an okay song for me. Fricks, I don't know if you had a different take on it. it it's probably my second favorite song on the album. Kind of mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the last album. I like the short verses. 
because that's what makes it flow so well. And I, I just felt like had they gone any longer, you, this song would have been so much worse. So that's Well, that's the problem with a lot of this album. They went on for too long. <laughs> yes. The short verses is really what kind of made it feel like their chemistry was temporarily back, I guess. But then the beat on it, that's really like my favorite part of it. One of my favorite things about Tribe is their ability to create beats, create instrumentals. Yeah, and then we move on to, honestly, another vanilla stretch for me <laughs> is uh, Busta's Lament, which barely features Busta Rhymes. I find that's dumb. Hot for You and Against the World. Again, there are a couple verses for both Tip and Fife that are solid, I will say that. But at the end of the day, Hot For You plays a little better to the chemistry, or the lack thereof at that point, um, between Tip and Fife. But yeah, kind of a weird stretch there. Fricks, anything to add about I mean, that? It, it, it just felt like to me there was a disconnect between the two. I mean, like they, the beat on the song, was, it would start and it would stop. And sometimes like that works really, really well. I felt like on this song, it just was not working. And so that's another, it, it just kind of played into the whole disconnect. Like not only were Tip and Fife, was there a disconnect between them, but there was a disconnect between the beat. And so this song, it kind of perfectly embodied the full disconnect of this album, I felt like, because that's what it was to me, was it just was not working. Definitely disconnect is a great word to um, categorize this album. Then the next track, The Love, which had a beat that was originally produced by Tip for Biggie on his classic LP, Life After Death, but unfortunately at the time, Life After Death was already finished, so he wasn't able to use that beat for it. Instead, he used it for The Love, which I think is a standout track on this album. One of the best from this LP. Definitely brought back some more throwback vibes to older Tribe stuff. I think that this really begins a stretch on the album that is kind of standout and felt like Tribe actually cared because I feel like a lot of it, they didn't care, and they were just kind of throwing stuff at the wall to see what stuck. Again, I think the love, just a cool cool vibe to it, and I think Tip really comes through. Rock Roll, y'all, I think, is an excellent posse cut featuring Wordsworth, Jane Doe, Punchline, and Most Def or Yasin Bey. Everybody on that cut really came through. Again, we mentioned earlier that Tribe really knows how to make a posse cut hit, and this really hit, for me at least. I love how it had more of an old school vibe of just of getting a bunch of MCs together. Felt like a cipher to me and just bars all the way through. And then we have a remix of Scenario featuring Buster Rhymes, Kid Hood, and Leaders of the New School and bringing back a classic. And I think everybody came through once again. Five takes a shot at Vanilla Ice going platinum. Usually remixes, of especially classic songs, are very hit or miss for me. And Tribe's done a lot of remixes where I'm kind of on the fence about but I think this one really came through. This song especially has been sampled in a lot of um, later tracks, such as Gimme the Loop by Biggie, Maintaining by Common, and It's On by Naughty by Nature. Really, I think this is probably, in my opinion, the best stretch on the album. I can agree with that. This is probably um, my favorite song on the album, the remix, to be 100% honest. It's, it still felt different than the original scenario. That's why I kind of enjoyed it so much, because there was scenario, and then this remix, it was a bunch of guys going in on it, but it, it didn't feel like it was a remix of the song. It felt like it was a different song all around. Now, the only discredit I give it is that when Busta kind of comes in at the beginning, like, I wasn't super into that, but, like, it wasn't, like, he needs to be taken out. Like, that was terrible. Like, I wasn't super into it, but, I mean, it wasn't awful either. On 
track 15, Rock Roll Y'all, I kind of agree that for the majority of it, I felt like all the verses were great. I wasn't really liking what Jane Doe was throwing out. Maybe it was just because it was the very first verse of the song and like I expected something different. But I mean, other than that, like I'll agree that this is the best stretch of the album so far. Yeah, just for me, I feel like the production was better and back up to the level that we expect from Tribe, and I feel like the bars were to the level that we expect from Tribe during this stretch. Moneymaker, next track, another throwaway. Hot Sex, which was originally on the Boomerang soundtrack, then as a cut on the European cut of Midnight Marauders. I think Fife and Tip came through on this one. And another standout track, Oh My God remix, Nope. Jazz, we've got, why did, why did we even put this on the album, the re-recording? And then we finish it with One Two Shit featuring Busta Rhymes. Super laid back, almost behind the beat at times. I think a standout track thing in the album is originally on the B-side of Oh My God. Fife, again, as we mentioned earlier, freestyled his verse. Great line in it. He's the world's greatest five-footer ripping parties apart. Busta sounds like he's on something. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing during this track, but uh, yeah, he was kind of weird in that respect. But yeah, we finally get through this mess of an album. Definitely the worst LP, in my opinion, of Tribe's catalog. And really just sad to see them end on such a low note. I can't disagree. Had this album came out prior to them breaking up, you would almost expect them to break up. This album, to me, it was a significant drop-off. No chemistry, it felt like, throughout the majority of it. I mean, a lot of the lyricism was like... Uh, it wasn't like terrible but it wasn't great either like we, what we've been accustomed to it was a mediocre album i felt like maybe maybe if somebody besides a tribe called quest dropped it we'd be like wow this album is phenomenal but being a tribe called quest i mean we expect better <laughs> exactly i mean it's better than mediocre which obviously led to um them kind of losing that passion and then breaking up which they would take a very long hiatus and it really was kind of sad with Tribe being gone for so long. People thinking that that was their last album. It was really discussed like that. They were barely talking at times. There was even a documentary made called Beats, Rhymes, and Life. There was, it was a documentary basically detailing the split up of Tribe. Obviously, Jerobi kind of had fallen off after the first album, but was still kind of hoping here and there. But Tip and Fife really just split off and were really not on the same page at all. For years, they, again, denied new music, even though they reunited on the Yeezus tour in 2013 a few times. Well-acclaimed performances of some classic cuts that Kanye brought him back for, Kanye being a huge protege, if you will, of Tip and just uh, Tribe in general, even getting Tip onto his uh, good music label and their um, producer stable. But on November 13th, 2015, which is the night of the bombings in Paris, if you remember, the group performed at The Tonight Show start starring Jimmy Fallon. Especially on the events of that night and after that performance, they felt charged up and decided to record an album in secrecy. Tip and hip-hop engineer Blair Wells were credited as co-producers because Shahid, or at least Shahid Muhammad, was not able to work on this project uh, in the same capacity that he's been accustomed to. because He couldn't produce it because he was working on the Luke Cage soundtrack. And so they, they basically spent the next year or so really fine-tuning this project but on March 26, 2016 Fife Dog passed away uh, due to complications with his aforementioned diabetes he was 45 but he was still able to contribute to this album he even chose the album title nobody knows what it means 
not even try, but they decided to stick with it just to honor their fallen brother. Very, very sad. It's one of those times where you know where you were on that day and just really, really a bummer to lose one of the greats like that. But anyway, in his honor, they um, released We Got It From Here, Thank You For Your Service, which was released on November 11th, 2016. Um, it debuted at number one on Billboard and went gold with singles We The People and Disgeneration. As we move in to this project, it starts off with a bang um, with the first track, Space Program, which is intro sampled from the black exploitation film in the 70s, Black Dynamite. For the first time ever, we get Jerobi spitting a verse, which I think is just awesome. I think he really comes through on this project. It sets the tone for a very politically charged album, and that's something that is very interesting for Tribe. Is they've dabbled in that a lot in their previous work, but never to this extent. They really go for it, and we got it from here. A lot of talk about, obviously, Donald Trump was just elected around this time for president of the United States, and there were a lot of talks about, um, again, the plights of the African-American male and female. And it basically, on this song, they were talking about gentrification um, in urban communities and how, quote, there was no space program for the blacks, and he even t Tiff even mentioned, uh, imagine if this was really about space and how it's really just about how... Um, the um, American society really has forced African Americans to the back seat. And again, just word to Fife and to their fallen brother. Fricks, I think that this album really, really started off strong, especially given the hiatus. Most definitely. I mean, Space Program is the kind of dedication that it was to Fife as represented in the music video. But I mean, it's a great way to start the album because it's kind of like they're back. Kind of it's like, oh my gosh, these guys seem to have their chemistry back, you know, like after mm -hmm. this long hiatus, A Tribe Called Quest is back. And then, like you were saying, the, the Jerobi verse on it, I mean, I, I was digging that. Like, the fact that we actually hear Jerobi on a Tribe song, I was like, okay, like, let's go. I was so excited for that. Yeah, I think he really adds something new and fresh um, to this Tribe album. And again, I think that this album is really cool in the fact that they bring so many different voices and different styles into it and we'll, we'll get into that as we move on we the people which is one of the singles and the next track on this lp it's probably the most politically charged song tribe has ever made in the fact that they literally take off that part from the constitution and really just throw it into today's society and how basically if you're not white you've been cast aside by american society and how racism is still very much real and I think that's an important thing that needed to be heard, especially in that time, and especially surrounding the events of the presidential election and kind of police brutality and stuff like that. An absolutely incredible performance at the Grammys, that following Grammys after the album came out with Busta, Jarobi, and Tip on stage. And then when Fife's verse came in, they basically just looked up and there was a, there was a picture of Fife and kind of his verse playing in the background. One of the best performances I've seen at an award show like that. But again, a great music video and just an incredible song and a very timely song. I mean, I, I love the way that they started the album. So you got the space program, which is like, we're back. And then you got this song, which is, this is what we're gonna be talking about. Like, these are the issues that we are gonna tackle. And they, I mean, they don't tackle like one thing. I mean, they're, they're talking about like injustice in so many different ways. They tackle so many different issues in America, and that's another reason that I love this project so much is because the message that they put out there. And then 
the Grammy performance that you mentioned just a second ago. I loved the Grammy performance because it was just so moving. It was so powerful. The fact that they brought out all those people just made it even that much better. I mean, without that, you know, it's not the same type of message. I don't know. It's just the way that they started this song and then the fact that Fife Dog just absolutely slays his verse and now looking back at it like it puts a smile on your face seeing that now that he's since passed away but seeing what he created before passing I mean you can't help but smile because of it yeah it's it's really cool how um, even though Fife passed about eight months before this project dropped he still was able to have a huge impact on the album but as we move on, Whatever Will Be is the next track. It also is the return of Consequence to the Tribe, which is a it's a much-needed return. It's really nice to hear Cons back with Tribe. More talk about social issues as a black man. And Jerobi is back spitting, which is really cool. Another nice track to follow up with the people. And then we get into Solid Wall of Sound, which features Elton John, Busta Rhymes, and Jack White. And yes, you heard that right. Elton John and Jack White are on a Tribe album. There's a great Benny and the Jets sample in the intro, and especially a great outro by Elton at the end. Busta really goes in on this one. I love the flow on this track, and honestly, I love it when songs do this. I've heard this album a lot. This was actually, I think, the first Tribe LP that I actually heard all the way through, but listening back to this track again, it literally just put a smile on my face to hear all these great artists come together to create this great song, and... Just really a awesome cut off this album. We're bringing back the disc scratching, which I absolutely fall in love with. And then the the Elton John thing, loved it. I love the outro to this song and then the little bit of tip in there as well. I think another thing that I really, really enjoyed about this track was that Fife Dog kind of, when he came in, he kind of gave it almost like a Jamaican feel it felt like and there's just so many different sounds going in so far in this album there's been so many different sounds that have played in and just so many different feels that it gives you and this is another example like this song doesn't have a jamaican feel but five dog kind of gives it a jamaican feel which is so interesting to me well i mean being trinidadian born is really um kind of brought to the forefront really honestly for the first time throughout this project and Obviously, that's a big part of his identity and something that they really wanted to highlight in this project. But what comes next is Disc Generation featuring Busta Rhymes. But we have Tip, Fife, Jerobi, Busta, all the gang back here. And they just have an incredible verse to start off this song. Handle rocks with the capital G, ball on the beat, status Chris Paul and John Wall in the league, grabbing mics till the knuckles would bleed. Just absolutely incredible interplay between Fife, Tip, Jerobi, and even Busta later on both verses on this one. And it's really just talking about how um, this generation of, of MCs and up-and-comers, Tip has a line in here, talk to Joey, Earl, Kendrick, and Cole, gatekeepers of flow, they are extensions of instinctual soul. Which I'm sure Cole, when he heard that, just flipped because he, he shouted. Most notably, the first thing that comes to mind is his shout-out on Forbidden Fruit of his 2013 LP, Born Sinner. But he's heavily influenced by Tribe, as you mentioned, sampled their songs numerous times. And I can't really disagree with Tip mentioning of these four MCs, obviously Joey Badass, Earl Sweatshirt, Kendrick Lamar, and J. Cole. 
guys that are at the forefront when it comes to lyricism and flow of the new school. Just great lyricism from this group, Tribe Called Quest, and just throughout this whole song, and really one of the standouts of this LP. I think my favorite part about it is that first verse, how it tip Fife and Cherobi all together. You know, they, they don't have separate verses. I mean, they all come in on the same verse and all go together. And I think that's probably my favorite part about it, especially the fact that it is the introduction into the song. But then I also really enjoy how they threw an Earl sweatshirt in there too, because he is underappreciated. Brayden would a hundred percent back this I statement. I mean, people been sleeping on Earl, <laughs> and also it doesn't help that he's taken such a long hiatus between releasing projects. But if you haven't listened to Doris, that's one of the most underrated albums of probably the last ten years at least, and. He definitely deserves to be mentioned. He doesn't have the commercial acclaim or any of that stuff as these other guys, but he, he definitely is up there lyrically. And then I also like how they kind of finished that off, talking about soul music. Hip-hop was really created from soul music, and they're like showing that like it's still present today. That's another thing that I loved about that line. And then, of course, like you said earlier, Busta Rhymes came through. He absolutely slayed. The crew's back, it felt like. The crew is... It's awesome. And we get some nice shout-outs from Fife about uh, he's a huge sports fan. Um, he loves his NBA and mentions Chris Paul and John Wall. He's actually, I found this out, he was actually a playable character on NBA 2K7 and 2K9, um, which is just a, just an interesting fact. He also mentioned uh, Richard Todd and Todd Bowles um, and their, uh, we'll say, uh, shortcomings with the New York Jets. But this next track is called Kids an ellipses followed but it features a man by the name of andre lauren benjamin otherwise known as andre 3000 who honestly could have been just the fifth member of tribe called quest if he did never joined outcast it really just fit in absolutely perfect quest love from the roots even tweeted just putting it out there if andre 3000 joined a tribe called quest it'd be the most welcome a move in music probably since Johnny Gill joined New Edition or maybe Dennis Edwards came to the Temptations. It's really just cool to see Tip and Three Sack kind of go back and forth like that. Two of probably my favorite lyricists of all time and just a really fun track about growing up and just the kids of today from two old heads. And in a 2014 interview with Microphone Check, which is a, a podcast co-hosted by Ali Shaheed Muhammad, Three Stacks explained how much of an influence Tribe has been for him. And see, he said, still to this day, I'm like, wow, these are the guys that really turned me on to this thing. So even he, who did not come much later than when Tribe was really going, he was heavily influenced by them. So it was really cool to see him link up with Tribe. We need more Andre 3000 in our lives as much as we can. Where's that Outcast project? That reunion with Big Boy or even that solo project, Andre. But anyway, I digress. We'll still hold that hope. But this next track, Melatonin, featuring Marsha Ambrosius and Abby Smith. It details the struggles of daily modern life. Abby Smith has some great lines on the hook here. Um, so many thoughts on my mind, making it very hard to unwind. I guess I should just take one, just one. Really, just again talks about something that Tribe hasn't really talked about, but has really come to the forefront in hip-hop recently, mental health, and really just kind of stress weighing down on people. And a really, really nice uh, switch, if you will, from the last couple tracks, um, that it were definitely more bar-focused, some really important stuff being discussed here. Frex, what kind of stands out to you from these couple tracks? The keyboard. I mean, that's going <laughs> <that's gonna laughs> to sound weird. <laughs> it's going to sound weird to say, but easily the keyboard. I mean, like I said, this album 
has so many different sounds on it. It has so many different things going into it. And I'm not sure, I don't remember exactly who was playing the keyboard throughout the majority of the album. But whoever it was, I think maybe Pip. But whoever it was, was absolutely phenomenal. And especially with melatonin, I kind of like how the keyboard gives it, it's almost like a darker, kind of like a creepier feel while they're talking about like a major issue. And then with kids, I'll be 100% honest. I mean, I the lyricism was great. Oh my, he's about to trash three stacks. Watch out. I don't know, I just didn't like the cadence on it. Like, oh my goodness. Oh my. I'll be like, I'm sorry. Oh I my, just, this is blasphemy. I wasn't digging the cadence. The lyricism itself was fine. Like if you just like read the words like by themselves, didn't hear the song or anything, like you'd be like, I was digging it, but I was not vibing with the cadence very much. Mm. All right, well, we'll we'll just disregard that. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, um, we'll move on here to enough, or enough as I should yell since there are exclamation points at the end. Another interesting track here. There's some unfeatured vocals by the internet lead vocalist Sid DJ Scratch, who actually I forgot to mention this earlier, kind of came in in Ali's place to kind of be the DJ on this project. He throws in some Benita Applebaum samples, which again, I think is one of their best beats ever created. So it's really cool to get a call back to that. It's talking about basically balancing work and personal life. So um, a love for music in the game and your love for your woman. And Tiff really kind of quarterbacks this song with um, some more Jerobi thrown in there as well. Really nice balance there. And the next track, Mobius, featuring Busta Rhymes and Consequence. I think Con has an incredible, incredible verse, arguably the best verse on this album, at least in my opinion. I love this beat, super cool, really fits the lyricism as well, matches it. Track's named after 19th century German scientist August Mobius, and the track explores topics ranging from everyday concerns of a star artist to the Illuminati conspiracy to the media and echoes of a hardcore street lifestyle. Um, got that via Genius. Fricks, this is really, these couple tracks here, especially Mobius, in my opinion, um, some really uh, standouts from this album. Yes, completely agree. Uh, that you saying Consequence had the best verse, arguably. I won't argue that point at all. I, I loved Consequence's opening verse. I also think the most interesting part of the song was the fact that Busta Rhymes and Consequence are very different artists. Mm-hmm. And this song was them. Like, that's all. It was just those two, and they're going back and forth on it. And I think that was probably, aside from that opening verse, that was probably the best part of this song, I felt like, was two different artists going back and forth with each other. Juxtaposition of that and how Consequence is very much more laid back, almost conversation-like, and Busta Rhymes is very up in your face and, and boom, here we go. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I love both of them. I love Khan's. He starts his verse incredibly. It's, I break bread, ribs, $100 bills, dream about Bugattis and other four wheels. They say Illuminati and other ordeals is how my lawyer got me to avoid a raw deal. Absolutely incredible. I am here for the bars. I'm here for the lyricism, and I'm here for Consequence back with the tribe. Move on to Black Spasmodic featuring Consequence once again. Five has a great verse about just getting the tribe back together and what that means and how really it's just cool to kind of be back with the gang. Tip pays homage to Fife and what he told him and basically how he told him not to worry and just keep moving on, keep getting the message out there. 
and really it's just it's just cool to kind of see the um, tribe in the first of kind of the homages to um, their fallen brother Fife. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what a lot of this album is standing for. It's almost like a dedication, not even almost. It's a dedication to Fife's life, and the song perfectly resembles that. I mean, it it starts off with him. His verse is actually really solid, and then it ends with Tipped kind of playing the role as if he was Fife Dog, like looking down on the tribe and looking down on everybody and just talking about carry on the message, like you were saying. So I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was so neat that Tip kind of played that role, playing like looking down, almost giving advice to himself as if he were Fife Dog. Like, I just, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, it even starts off with that part in his verse where he says that Fife told him F awards, keep repping queens, which is obviously a callback to Fife's line in early projects. He doesn't need an award to tell him how nice he is. He mentions towards the end, don't disappoint me, make sure they anoint me as the blue ribbon pedigree that best the show five foot three. And then at the end here, I just love the ending to this verse. Live the tribe principle of have an impeccable taste. Enjoy that breath like that one was your last one left. If you don't believe me tip there's truly life after death so refer to the biggie covers and shout out my attorney brothers and please check in on my mother malik isaac call me shorty i mean if it doesn't bring a tear to your eye you have no soul as move on to the killing season which features talib kuali consequence and kanye west which it's funny my boy Yeezy. because well not only that it's funny to have kanye west and consequence on a track because kanye basically uh kicked consequence to the curb from good music which that was highly publicized and highly just awkward so it was really kind of cool to see them all together um Kweli has a great verse to begin with kanye even in the midst of this weird time in his career does a good job on the hook we get more jerobi on this song and i think just really everybody came through on this track it talks more about injustices against blacks in america and I believe jerobi has a great line and says seems like my only crime is having melanin which really hits hard on the subjects at hand. Move on, next track, Lost Somebody, featuring Katja Cadet. It's a dedication to Fife and how they really did lose somebody. Tip has a great line in his verse, despite all the spats and shits cinematically documented, which was referring to that documentary that they later denounced. Um, the one thing I appreciate, you and I, we never pretended, and the fact that they never pretended in their verses, they really lived out their rhymes and how at the end of the day, they had that great chemistry, and they really were brothers, even if they had that um, big breakup, if you will. Jerobi, it's so sad. He starts out his verse, I never thought I'd have to write this song. It's really all about Fife, and um, Jack White has a great guitar outro. And just another really sad song that really kind of just gets to the ideal of how much we all miss Fife, how great he was to hip-hop and music in general. Next track, Moving Backwards, featuring Anderson Pac an explanation of success and failure and how they don't want to move backwards and move towards success. Anderson Pac has a great part in this song about just somebody just give me direction, how he doesn't want to move backwards. Um, Jerobi comes through again. Tip has an incredible verse on this one. Fricks, these last three tracks, what kind of stands out to you? The features is, I think, probably my favorite part. Anderson Pac, number one, is, like I mentioned it twice now, I think, beautiful voices fall in love with them. <laughs> Anderson Pac has a gorgeous voice, and then when the dude starts to kind of spit bars a little bit, like he he can do it, and he does that a, a little bit on moving backwards. 
going back to Lost Somebody, the guitar solo, like you mentioned, I loved the guitar solo. Probably one of the hardest songs that they've ever had to make. Jerobi's first line being, never thought I would ever be writing this song. So, I mean, that just kind of goes back to show just how difficult it would have been to make that song. And then you pretty much hit everything I would have said on the killing season. Like, although I'd, I love Yeezy, but uh, it just talks about like the injustice in black America. But I think the biggest part here is even though there wasn't really a feature on Lost Somebody, the guitar solo by Jack White was, I guess, you can consider that a feature. I really fell in love with the guitar solo. Jack White really comes through on this album. I think he was only on like three songs or so, mm -hmm. but he came through. He definitely came through, and Tiff even has kind of mentioned how they both admired each other in their work, and it really was just cool. And he especially thought it was cool just to be able to um, kind of merge those two different sounds together um, and really make some, some great art. The next track, Conrad Tokyo, which features Jack White and a little MC you may have heard of named Kendrick Lamar, who was shouted out earlier. Really talks about the political situation of the U.S. in the 2010s. K-Dot comes through, Fife comes through. It's a very visceral sounding track that gets a visceral reaction whenever you hear it. Super raw, but also super polished at the same time, if that's possible. A really standout track to me, especially with Kendrick on it. Kendrick working with Tribe is just is just a cool vibe. And just, just a fun, maybe fun's the wrong word, but um, just a really cool track. Powerful. Powerful, especially in the fact of how Tribe is able to, Tribe and Kendrick as well, are able to kind of voice their political opinions and beliefs in wake of Donald Trump's presidency and just kind of how uh, the Obama presidency affected them as black men in America. And just a really cool song to collaborate. And especially it's cool, as we've mentioned, kind of these collaborations with newer artists, artists that Tribe have really influenced just about all of them. And it's really cool to kind of see the old school and the new school mesh like that. Then we get to the next track, Ego. Jack White, once again, um, great beat. There's a great line from uh, Tip. This is the last tribe on our ego, hopes that you felt us. In closing for our ego, we know only God can help us, which is probably the perfect line to kind of encapsulate tribe and what they are and kind of a send off for this incredible influential group and basically how through the ups and downs that this is what it is and that this is what they wanted to leave their mark with. And then finally, to close out this album, is the Donald featuring Busta Rhymes, which contrary to popular belief is not about Donald Trump. It's about a lesser known nickname by Fife, Don Juice. And it's basically just another tribute to Fife. Busta has a really good part in this. I'm just talking about Fife Dog. And really Fife Dog are the last words that are spoken on this album. And it's really a powerful send off and a powerful way to just kind of pay tribute to their brother, Fife Dog. Really just a great way to end this album. Just really, really powerful. Fricks, as they end this album, and just kind of as a whole, what are your takeaways from We Got It From Here? It's definitely my favorite Tribe album. I just think that all the things that played into it, everything that kind of built up to it, it created a perfect story. I mean, us being journalism majors, I, I love stories. And when an album itself can create a story, I think that's another reason I fell in love with To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. I think that's one of the greatest stories that he's ever told. And this album itself doesn't tell a story in the same way that that album did, but like the outside things going into it. I mean, the political spectrum at the time, you know, all the injustices that are happening at that 
at the time that are still happening today, and then most importantly, the death of Fife Dog. I mean, everything that plays into it created a perfect album. I won't say a perfect album, because like you've been saying, there's no such thing, and I agree with that, but like, assuming that this is their last album, it's a great way to finish off their careers. It's a great way to finish off the album with Dead Donald. I thought it was an extremely powerful ending, and I thought there was no better way to end it, it seems like. Although, I mean, I've never heard of another ending for it, obviously, but <laughs> it was perfect. It was a perfect ending, and I don't know, the fact that Tribe was able to tackle so many major issues that are happening, like this, this isn't a time during the peak of their careers where you're talking 20 years after they peaked they are now like bringing up like all these social issues and all these problems that are happening in today's industry and today's world and the fact that they can tackle those issues while remembering their friend and then just creating good music and the production on it like we're used to them going off of like a jazzy feel like there's some blues added in this kind of felt different to me it was a lot of different sounds. Like, each song brought something different, it, it almost felt like. And to be honest, listening to this album, you almost feel like you're on a spaceship. Like, just the different sounds that are playing into it. And so that's a huge reason I fell in love with this album. And then, most importantly, and I've said this before on this podcast, it's what introduced me to A Tribe Called Quest. And once that happens, once I hear something that introduces me to an artist, I always go back to that. I still love that. Like, it's the same way with Illuminate by Absol and Kendrick Lamar. Like, that's what got me into TDE. That's my favorite song by those two guys. I mean, once I get introduced to it by a specific song, or in this case, an album, it just makes me fall in love even more. This album kind of just set the tone for A Tribe Called Quest stood for and the relationship that they had with each other, honestly. I thought it was just powerful in each and every way. Yeah, I would not say this is my favorite. I would say it's probably second or third, depending on the day. But again, as you mentioned, it's really cool. I don't know if I necessarily say that this is as much of a cohesive storyline in the same vein of a good kid, Mad City, or Tip of a Butterfly, as just Kendrick is the first thing that comes to my head when I think of that. But yeah, I think it's interesting in how it really showcases the diversity that we've mentioned with the tribe and just really shows how influential they've been and how they've influenced everybody from an Andre 3000 to an Anderson Pac and a Kendrick Lamar and Jack White and all these different people. But that influence is something that is almost synonymous with tribe in the fact that Tip especially has or is known as one of the better lyricists and one of the best producers of all time. He's produced for such acts as Mob Deep, Kanye, Nas, Whitney Houston, RZA, John Legend, Run DMC, Jay-Z, Pusha T, Mary J. Blige, Mariah Carey. John Bush of All Music called him the best rapper producer in hip-hop history, while editors of About.com placed him number 17 on their list of top 25 hip-hop producers, as well as placing him number 38 on their list of top 50 MCs of all time. And in 2012, the source ranked Tip number 20 on their list of top 50 lyricists of all time. Fricks, where does Tip stand for you in the pantheon of great MCs? He's definitely up there. I mean, I don't have a, like an exact ranking for him. I can't do that off the top of my head. But like, if we're talking the greatest MCs ever, you can't help but throw him in there. Honestly, you can't help but throw Clive Dog into that mix too. The way that they played off of each other was phenomenal. I, I, I think that if we're talking as a team that 
Fife and Tip are one of the best teams in hip hop history. <laughs> wow, Sorry. there you go. What <laughs> I don't even mean to do that, but um shameless self promotion. <laughs> but as a team, like the way that they played off of each other, the the chemistry that they had, especially in their first three albums, is just phenomenal and I think that's what created their influence, what helped them create some tremendous music. It really touched a lot of diff- different people, whether hip hop and R and B. Tip was famously brought into kind of the good music fold. Really helped kind of shape the sound of My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which is one of my favorite albums. When it comes to Tribe, they are looked upon, rightfully so, as one of the greatest hip hop acts or duos or groups or whatever you want to call it in hip hop history. They've really influenced everybody, Kanye, The Roots, J. Cole, Kendrick. I mean, everybody from the new school and the old school and their um, counterparts in the 90s. They are, again, just incredible examples of doing your own thing, of carving your own sound, and just being your own person and revolutionizing the game. And Tribe are more than a footnote. They are a group that should be etched in stone into the lineage of hip-hop over the last 40 years or so. And with that, Tribe Called a Quest, they're one of my favorite groups. They've created some of the best music in this genre, and they've really just changed the game in so many ways. Fife Dog, Tip, Jerobi, Ali Shaheed, Muhammad, Consequence, Busta, Jay Dilla, everybody in between that's worked with Tribe, they are all very much appreciated. R.I.P. Fife Dog, and they're just incredible. Fricks, any final parting thoughts for Tribe Called Quest? I think that after doing this podcast, after doing all this research, after everything, I can full-heartedly say that A Tribe Called Quest is my favorite rap group of all time. Right now, as I think about it, I mean, it's not even a question. I can't think of another group that's just, they might be, I might like them a little bit more. No, it's, it's A Tribe. I mean, I'm somebody that really loves production, and Ollie is phenomenal. Tip is honestly a phenomenal producer as well, but Ollie as in the DJ side of things, I love when he can do the turntablism, and then the lyricism that that Tip and Fife bring to the table is just wonderful, and I could definitely easily say that A Tribe Called Quest is my favorite rap group ever and one of the greatest rap groups to ever be a part of the rap history. I would probably lean toward Outkast or Roots or <laughs> Wu-Tang in that respect. But anyway, I digress. We're not here to talk about that. We'll talk about them later. That'll be it for this episode of Hip Hop History. Thank you for tuning in once again. Real quick, before we sign off here, I just wanted to say one quick thing. We obviously are recording this on Saturday, but um, yesterday afternoon we were given word of the passing of Mac Miller, who died at the age of 26 yesterday. Uh, or at least it was announced yesterday, of an overdose. It seemed as though he had kind of started to turn his life around and kind of getting out of that dark place. Obviously, he had that highly publicized breakup with Ariana Grande and just had really struggled with drugs and alcohol addiction for a large portion of his life, or at least his recent life. But again, it's just really heartbreaking to lose another great one um, in hip-hop, Mac, was an incredible voice, an incredible lyricist, an underrated producer with his alias Larry Fisherman. I encourage all of you listening to this to go listen to his latest album, Swimming, and even his older works as well. 
Mac, we'll miss you. Rest in power. And on that note, we'll sign off once again to Hip Hop History. Thank you for tuning in. Alongside Logan Fricks, this is Braden Shaw, and we'll catch you next time. Younger.